Women have played a significant role in our society and culture through time. So let's take a look at the history from the women's side. I'm your host, Brittany, and welcome to Her Story Sessions. Chances are you're listening to this episode via Wi-Fi, and some of you are also listening through wireless headphones that connect via Bluetooth. Both Wi-Fi and Bluetooth are based on the idea and patent of someone remembered as one of the most glamorous actresses of the 30s and 40s, Hedy Lamarr. Born as Hedwig Eva Maria Kiesler on November 9, 1914, to well-to-do Jewish parents in Vienna, Austria, she was an only child that her parents doted on. Her mother was a concert pianist, and they would often go to the opera or the theater as a family. Her father was a bank director, but interested in technology and would take Hetty on walks, explaining how the streetcars worked, how the electricity lines worked, and anything she asked about, and she became interested in how gadgets functioned, too. When she was just five, she took apart a music box she had and then reassembled it. She went to private school, taking classes in ballet and piano, as well as natural sciences and chemistry. As she grew into a teenager, her beauty began to be apparent to everyone that saw her. At 16, she became interested in film and decided she wanted to act. She went to Berlin to a studio and received a walk-on role within days. Her first small film was Geld auf der Strappe, or Money on the Street. The first role she became known for, though, was Ecstasy in 1932. The movie was seen as scandalous for the nudity scenes and her portrayal of a woman having an orgasm on screen. Hitler banned it from Germany, using her Jewish heritage as the reason. She met Fritz Mandel, an Austrian munitions dealer working with the Nazis, who was 14 years her senior. When she was just 18, the two married in 1933. But he was controlling, had her watched by the staff in their mansion, and she was just a trophy wife to him, there to just sit and smile at dinner parties and events. He was extremely jealous of the way others paid attention to her because of how beautiful she was. He even tried once to buy up all of the copies of Ecstasy at one point. She was unhappy, saying once, I knew very soon that I could never be an actress while I was his wife. He was the absolute monarch in his marriage. I was like a doll. I was like a thing, some object of art which had to be guarded and imprisoned, having no mind, no life of its own. She also lost her father when he died of a heart attack in 1935, which was devastating to her. With her father gone and stuck in a miserable marriage, she decided she wanted to leave Mandel but couldn't just walk out on him. He would never have allowed it. So, in 1937, she sewed jewels into the lining of her coat, and while Mandel was having a dinner party, she drugged the tea of a maid that looked like her to knock her out, then dressed as a maid herself and snuck out, riding away on her bicycle. She ran away to London, where her parents had friends that she could stay with. While there, she met Louis B. Mayer of MGM Studios. He offered her to come work for him for $125 a week and reminded her she'd have to keep her clothes on. She told him, sorry, that's not good enough, and walked out of the room. But she very quickly had second thoughts, and so she booked passage to New York on the Normandy, the same ship Meyer would be taking back. During the trip, she made sure she was seen by him all over the ship. One evening, she was dressed in a couture dress, put on some of the last jewels she had left, and walked through the dining room past Meyer's table. Douglas Fairbanks Jr. was also at the table, and according to the story, his eyes never left her, along with everyone else's in the room. After that, Meyer offered her $500 a week. 
but her maiden name, Kiesler, would have been difficult for people to get right, so Meyer's wife suggested Lamar after her favorite, Barbara Lamar, an actress that was big in the 20s. She agreed, and when they landed in New York, she was met with reporters and cameras hailed as one of Meyer's newly discovered actresses. In 1938, she had only done small parts and was worried that she wouldn't make it past the trial phase of her contract, especially because of her role in ecstasy. She did an interview with Hedda Hopper, a famous gossip columnist, and told her an emotional story of how she was forced into these nude scenes by these immoral European producers. Then, by chance, she met Charles Boyer, who asked her to be in his movie. This was the movie Algiers, and after that, she became really big in Hollywood. It was on the cover of all of the movie magazines, and a lot of women in Hollywood began to part their hair in the middle, darkening it, and changing their makeup to be more like her. She began to meet great people of the time, including Pablo Picasso. JFK asked her out on a date, and she became close with Howard Hughes, dating him for a time, too. The two were both interested in building and inventing things. He gave her a mini set of equipment for her trailer. She had her own larger set of things at home and would invent and experiment as a hobby. Hughes would also take her to his airplane factories, showing her how the planes are built and introducing her to scientists there. She also came up with a new wing design for him to build faster planes after she bought a book on fish and birds and looked at how the fastest fish's fins and the fastest bird's wings were shaped. She also remarried at this time, marrying screenwriter Jean Markey, and she really loved him as her letters to her mom showed, and he promised to write screenplays for her. They even adopted a son together. But within months of the marriage, he started dating other young actresses, and she was heartbroken. Her son went to live with another couple, and they didn't see each other again for 40 years. She said at one point, no one ever got past her face, and that she had no idea if they really loved her or just the idea of her. A year after Algiers, her marriage was falling apart and Louis B. Mayer was giving her bad scripts and her films were doing horribly. She went to Meyer in 1940 and petitioned for a small part in Boomtown. It turned out to be a huge success and her career was secure with her taking on many more movies that year. The studio really pushed her and she worked six days a week. They would give her pills to wake her up to work and then more pills later at night so she could sleep. In 1940, Europe was also already at war, and she was watching what was happening in her home country and wanting to help somehow. She was from a Jewish heritage, but hid that fact and never talked about it with her children even later in life. The British ships were going down from the German U-boats, which they were no match for with their outdated torpedoes. Her mother, who had fled Austria and was in London, was also preparing to cross the Atlantic on a British ship to get to America. She had the idea for a radio-controlled torpedo, but radio communication isn't secure, and the radio frequency that controlled them could easily be found by the enemy and jammed. Communicating with a torpedo that was launched is important to adjust the trajectory of it as needed to keep up with a moving target. So she came up with frequency hopping, which is constantly changing what frequency you're sending the controls on, in sync with which one the torpedo is receiving them on. This made it impossible to jam the signal. She may have gotten this idea from the Philco Magic Box, a wireless remote control for the radio that you dialed the radio station you wanted on a rotary dial, and it would change the station on your radio. The box is sketched in her invention notebooks, which showed she was interested in how it worked. She met George Antile around that time, who was an avant-garde composer. They began to talk about the war, and she told him she was uncomfortable sitting in Hollywood doing nothing for the war and was seriously considering quitting MGM to go to D.C. and offer her services for the newly formed Inventors Council. 
They worked on three inventions together, all meant to help the Allies in the war. The most successful was based on Hetty's concept of frequency hopping, and Antile had an idea to adapt piano rolls for that purpose. Piano rolls are used to synchronize pianos using paper rolls with punched out lines to control the keys. The idea was to have the two miniature rolls that are identical, one for the ship and one for the torpedo, and they would start turning at the same time, controlling the changes in frequencies. They wanted 88 frequencies in total to hop between. The Inventors Council agreed that this was a good idea and connected them with a physicist to make the electronics part of this device. They got a full patent for the device with Hetty's and George's names shown as the inventors. They donated it to the council, but it was generally understood that if an invention was used by the military, the inventor would be paid. The council gave the invention to the Navy, but the Navy rejected it. Hetty was basically told if she wanted to help the war effort, she would go out and sell war bonds. So she did. She made appearances, signed autographs, and entertained soldiers. She sold $25 million worth, more than $343 million today, and she wasn't even an American citizen yet. Then, in 1942, the government seized her patent as the property of an enemy alien. They were happy to use her and her looks to sell bonds, but refused to recognize her inventive work and intelligence to contribute to the war effort. Then, MGM gave her a role in white cargo, what was then considered a dirty picture meant to entertain the troops. She wanted more challenging parts and fought with Louis B. Mayer, who sued her a couple of times over it, and she gained a reputation of being difficult to work with. She wanted to produce her own movie, but actors producing their own movies wasn't something Hollywood studios liked. They didn't like them, especially women, not being under their control. She produced The Strange Woman in 1946 anyway. She then co-produced Dishonored Lady in 1947. With the war over and couples settling down into family life, Hetty wanted that too. She married again to John Loder. They had two children together, but this marriage ultimately failed too. They never saw John again, but Hetty was a wonderful mother. By this point, her mother had made it to America too, and Hetty paid for her to live nearby. But being a single mother and paying all the bills was hard, and she needed a big break. She ended up starring as Delilah in the epic Samson and Delilah in 1949 and it ended up being the second highest grossing movie of the decade. She decided to produce her own epic and made The Loves of Three Queens, which was shot in Italy. She played all three lead roles and the subject was how beauty got in the way of love for the great women of history. It was produced well, but she couldn't get it distributed after sinking so much money into it and ended up losing what she had invested. Struggling financially again, she married Howard Lee, an oil magnate from Texas. She became little more than a trophy wife again and found herself stuck in an unhappy marriage yet again. While they were together, they took a vacation to Aspen, which was just a small clutter of houses at the time. She wanted to build a resort there and design the whole thing. When they ultimately got divorced, all she wanted was to keep the resort, but her son was in the hospital after being hit by a car when she was summoned to testify in divorce court, and rather than leave her son, she tried to send her Hollywood body double in her place. The judge took everything from her as punishment, and she had a nervous breakdown. She wasn't seen in public much after that, struggling with aging and how the public treated her because of her fading looks. She started having plastic surgeries, even telling doctors new ways to do it. But nothing could bring back the way she looked when she was young. In the 60s, she was erratic and unstable and later blamed it on the drugs that Max Jacobson, a.k.a. Dr. Feelgood, gave her. She thought it was a vitamin concoction, as did many others that went to him, but it was actually his own mix of illicit drugs, including meth that he was injecting them with. 
She became a recluse later in her life, hardly even seeing her family anymore. Then in 1969, she found out that her patent was being used, that all of the American missiles through the 60s were equipped with her frequency hopping device. The patent had expired in 1959, but there was some evidence that had been used earlier in the 50s, although she was never told or paid for it. The drones used in Vietnam were also based on her patent. She never tried to get payment for any of it. Today, her idea of frequency hopping is the basis for GPS, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, military satellites and tech, and cell phones. It's the basis for secure communication everywhere. The market value of her invention is estimated at $30 billion. In 1997, she and George were finally credited, and they were honored with the Pioneer Award for the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Lamar also became the first woman to receive the Invention Convention's Bulby Nass Spirit of Achievement Award. She was posthumously inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame for the development of her frequency hopping technology in 2014. For a long time, she was mostly remembered as the glamorous actress of the 30s and 40s, when she tried so hard to get people to see beyond her face. She wanted to be recognized for her intelligence and wanted to find happiness and love with a husband and family, but always felt that no one could get past her looks. She once said, Any girl can look glamorous. All she has to do is stand still and look stupid. So, I'll remember her for her love of inventing and her contribution to art technology today, and I hope you will too. That's all for today, and thank you for attending this Her Story session. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Her Story Session, and be sure to click follow for more episodes.